Hey everybody, a lot of things are changing around here at Consequence of Habit. A lot of updates, a lot of, a lot of things moving around, but one thing remains the same. And that is my unwavering support and love for Athletic Brewing Company. These guys have been part of my journey from the very beginning. When I was even curious about what not drinking beer, well, not drinking leaded beer would look like and how it could possibly make this happen. But these guys provide a product that makes that transition fairly simple. So maybe you just want to either cut down on some of your drink and you just want to replace it with something that doesn't have alcohol or like me, alcohol does not fit into your life. Either or. These guys get something for you. One, the, the one prerequisite, you have to like good beer. If you, don't li- if you like crappy beer, look elsewhere. If you guys have not tried Athletic Brewing Company and you want to give it a shot, use promo code capital COH20. Get you 20% off your first order. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are hearing this, you have once again tuned the Consequence of Habit podcast. And this is your host, JT. You know, on this podcast, we have in-depth conversations with our guests about the impact that habits have played in their life, both good and bad. And we use these conversations to help us better understand the things that are in our control and the things that aren't. It helps us analyze the things we do on a daily basis and have an honest conversation about whether those things are adding value to our life or they're holding us back. So with that said, let's get it started. All right, this week on the podcast, we kick off our Consequence of Habit Ambassador Spotlight episode. Every month, we're going to pick one COH ambassador, and we're going to take a deep dive into their story. This week, I sit down with Todd Barnett. Todd's got an incredibly motivating and inspiring story. I'm extremely grateful that he, the man, I want to be vulnerable enough to tell it. He's got an amazing outlook on life, and it's contagious. Uh, just check out his Instagram. Check out any of the social media stuff he's putting out there. Uh, sh- listen to this podcast. I got to believe it's going to touch you in a lot of the same ways it touched me. To be honest with you, the man made my eyes leak for about half the episode. I was trying to keep it together as best I could, but I'll let you guys judge. Without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Consequence of Habit Ambassador, Todd Barnett. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast again. It's JT here. This is a special episode for me because this is the first time I've been talking about uh, spotlighting one of the, the COH ambassadors for, for a while now. Uh, and and it, it's it's finally coming to fruition. Today, I have the honor of sitting down with with Todd Barnett. Todd, first off, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. Thanks, JT. I'm uh, I'm excited to get to chat with you one on one, face to face, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So I'm going to start off before we before we get too far. Let's let's start. Where are you physically located right now, and and, and where did where did you grow up? Um, we live in Lake Mary, Florida, uh, just a little bit north of Orlando. But originally, I am from a uh, small town right outside of Lexington, Kentucky. We had initially talked about uh, you coming on a, a while ago, right? And it, it went away for a little bit, right? And I think that maybe that was on my end. Uh, uh, what was our initial conversation? Do you remember about what, what it was about, about you potentially coming on? Um, I think right after you and I had connected at one point on social media, you said something about coming on the podcast. And I was like... I don't know, man. Like, I think the the biggest thing for me was that imposter syndrome, right? And I know you. Mm, that's it. Yep. yep. You talked to uh, you just talked to Ricky about it in your latest episode. Um, I didn't. I didn't feel like my story was anything that you know earth shattering for for people to get something out of, but if I can encourage one person, you know, to just take that step, like if you're sitting on the fence and there's something you want to do, just go, just start. You don't have to be the fast. You don't have to be the best. Just start. We all got to start somewhere. And like, I'm so new to all of it. You know, I I started running uh, September 4th of 21 I ran my first race, a 10 K on September 11th. And I just, I'm so new to everything. I don't feel like I didn't feel like I had anything ready to share. Um, and mm. I think I reached back out to you a couple of weeks ago and said, Hey, 
if you think what I have to say, if you think my story would benefit somebody, then I'm ready to do it. I've told you this before, like literally five minutes ago. <laughs> but when when uh, when I was looking to when we were uh, kind of putting pen to paper with 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 uh, Fuel Hunt about them kind of really signing on and helping us out with our ambassador program, providing apparel. Uh, your, it was your pictures that I sent, kind of a kind of before and after. And before we go any further, I want everyone to know, all right, so when we talk about consequences yeah. uh, to our habits, th- that comes in many different forms, right? Yeah. So we have some things that could be on a mental side, like you don't see addiction, you don't see uh, a mental health uh, struggles in somebody. Um, but sometimes there is there is the the, <clears throat> physically you can see this on somebody um your transformation is it's very eye-opening you, it's right in your face right <laughs> you have posted pictures hey this is what i look yeah. like this is back then and this is what i look like now and there is a shock factor to that right yeah. uh, and, and it wasn't just you this was something and we're going to get into it this was something that was part of that both you and your wife did. yes uh, so i wanted to just kind of get get that stuff out there just so everybody I have a tendency to start talking about something as if everyone listening knows what the heck I'm talking <laughs> about. So, uh, walk us back. What what was your life prior to this change that you 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 made? What was the breaking point? You know, what was your rock bottom? I mean, I understand that's a really loaded three questions, sure. but I, I, I'm going to let you just kind of tell your your side of the story and 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 kind of jump in when I'm when I'm curious. Okay. Um. I'll do to, <laughs> my best to make it concise. So I've always been a big guy. I've always been overweight. Um, growing up in Kentucky, my grandmother was a food pusher. You know, I was always part of the clean plate club. Uh, and then there was always some sort of dessert or whatever. Um, and allowing or developing without even really knowing it, a bad relationship with food um Mm. it becoming a comfort it becoming i mean always nine times out of ten your social gatherings are 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 focused around a table around the food and it's amazing but it can also swing the other way um so for me, it was a lack of self-control, but it was also an emotional, um, not long. I won't say, I was going to say not long after we moved to Florida. I, we moved to Florida and I worked at a church for almost five years. I went in one Wednesday morning and the pastor was there with one of the elders and he said, Hey, I'm not going to beat around the bush we're going to ask for your resignation. I had no idea it was coming. Like was completely blindsided. Um, and it wasn't just a job, right? Like it's a ministry, it's a calling. Um, but it was also our entire community. We had just bought a home here in Florida, uh, three months before that. My wife wasn't working because we had a young, our our daughter was a baby at that point. And I didn't know what to do. And I, I sunk into this ugly, gray, numb. Um, That happened on a Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. I went to work for my wife's uncle at a sheet metal shop. Working, you know, a manual labor job, bending sheet metal. Yeah. And then I found my way into another job. I thought it would be a better situation, which um, led me to working three 12-hour shifts, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 6 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. So when my family is out, you know, my kid's playing soccer or my family's going to church on Sunday morning, I'm stuck at work and I'm running a machine where I'm wearing these headphones these earmuffs and I am stuck inside my head all day, 12 hours a day. I go to work and it's dark. I leave work and it's dark. There's no windows in the place. And I am just listening to the self-talk 
the negative self-talk that I'm not worth it. Um, I got it all wrong. You know, I didn't, I, I kept telling myself I wasn't questioning the call on my life, but I did, you know, I doubted myself. I doubted where I was supposed to be. And I just, I basically beat myself down. And the only comfort I had was eating what I wanted to, when I wanted to, it was what I could control. Everything else was out of my control. And I finally had a friend who was like, she came down to visit and she said, you need to get help. My wife was in the other room and I'm like, what are you talking about? I need to get help. She said, if I could record the way you're talking to your wife and your kids, you would, it's not you. And I was like, and did you, did, yeah. did you realize, so you had no, you, like you, you had no understanding no of that or, or realization of it. And, no clue. Wow. She's like, you, you've got to get help. And I blew it off. Right. I just, but man, once, once she showed that little bit of light on that, it started to become real. And I, I had such a short fuse and I had little kids and I had, no patience, right? No grace for them just being kids. And when I could finally like see through my crap, my darkness, my little gray numb box of, man, it was, it was heartbreaking. Like, Mm. and I didn't know what to do. So I did end up going to counseling and it helped but then insurance changed. I couldn't afford it. I had to quit going. And so you kind of slip back into this thing. And I just, I kept going. I kept trying to find a way out for myself. Right. I didn't take time to just stop and listen. I went into survival mode. Yeah. And I just kept trying to dig my way out. And it was one of those things like, I got myself into this pit. Why should I ask God to come help me out now? Right. I need to figure this out on my own, which is totally, you know, it's not right at all, but, um, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's where I ended up and eventually did find a way out with some more counseling. I went and actually had, two conversations with the pastor who asked me to resign. Um, He said some things that I needed to hear from me, right? That it wasn't me, that I wasn't bad. I wasn't terrible at my job. Mm. Um, It was just his opinion. And so from that point on, after that counseling and those meetings, things started to pick up, but the weight stayed the same. What, what, what was the transformation like from, uh, you said that, that you've always been a bigger yeah. guy. So when we're talking about, Hey, uh, you, you moved down there, you're, you're with the yep. ministry. Uh, things go, go wrong yeah. with that. What was that transformation like from, from that point to, to when you're kind of in your dark? Man, I t- I, it happens fast, right? Like you have to work so hard to lose a couple of pounds but it seems like you can put on 10 so quick. And I just got to like, you know how people talk about this body dysmorphia, right? I never saw myself as big as I was, right? As heavy as I was when I would look, I'm like, ah, but man, when the photos or when you walk by a mirror and catch us like, it's shocking sometimes. And Mm. it just, it just stayed, you know, I never, I never saw myself that big and it just, it just kept going. I, and to the point where I even avoided the scale, like I knew, but I didn't like, if I get on the scale, it's going to be real. Right. Right. That's, I mean, I've said on here a bunch of times that was like Sundays for me with drinking was bringing out the, the recycling container. Right. Uh, it's, it's the telltale sign, right? right? You can't, 
you can't get past you can't that. Hide that. I, I hear the clanking of the bottles like I yeah, right uh or 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 your your notification on your phone on Sundays and how what was your average time on the phone right yes um yes did did you realize and obviously you're not understanding right you don't, you're not seeing this the, the the you're not feeling it in your body but were you making connections at the time like hey uh when i uh, when I eat this, it makes me feel good for this short period of time. Like, did, did those, did the, those, were those connections made at all, or were you literally just on autopilot at that time? Uh, it was a lot of autopilot, but there were a lot. I mean, like for yeah. me, the first one, biscuits and gravy, like, oh, and yeah. and I could eat it, and then there's this feeling of. So the biggest thing was if there's something that you really like and then when it's gone, there was this feeling of sad. Oh, man, there's no more. Like it was so good, but there's no more. Like coming to that realization of that's not healthy. That's not okay. And um, but at the same time, just it's there knowing it, but then doing something about it. That part that habit didn't come. It didn't happen. Well, that's the hardest part, right? That's the hardest part because I mean, I can, I can only speak of my own experience, but I think it's kind of the, the universal human experience is that when we chase things that, that give us pleasure, mm. uh, many times that's because we're in pain. We don't realize that at first, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe you have something that tastes good or you drink something, makes you feel good. You smoke something, whatever it may whatever, be. Right. At first it starts off, right? It, at, at first it just starts off as something that makes you feel good. At some point, your your brain starts making these connections. Well, feeling good, feeling pleasure is the opposite of pain. So if I'm in pain, I know I know this way. These biscuits and gravy are gonna make me feel good for for a little yeah, bit, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's but it it it's like Doctor Anna Lemke talks about. It's this seesaw, right? So you've got this pleasure, and and that seesaw is up on one side. Well, that comes down and that doesn't go to homeostasis, right? That doesn't level right. out. That goes, pain goes up high, but we go back to these, these coping mechanisms that we built. We're like, well, you know what? Um, I've got the cure for yep. this. It, maybe it's busy with gravy. For me, it was wine, yeah. whatever it Whatever it is. Um, and, and, and it's, it's accepting the fact that when I make a change, it's going to be uncomfortable. That's, that's where, yes, that's where the rubber meets yes. the road, man. That's the hard yes. part. Yeah. So, so I don't want to rush this. No. Walk me through, walk me through. All right. Are you at that place now where, or uh, change is starting to happen? Um, and then also let me back up for a minute. I love the idea that someone says something mm-hmm. to you and, and at the moment you don't, you don't even get it. Right. Like, what are you talking right. about? Right. But it's a seed. Yeah. It's something that someone who's planted and, and just like most seeds, these things take time yeah. and they may not grow right away. They may grow very slow. They may start to grow and then wither away and then come yes. back. Um, and I think that's really important because you hear a lot of stories. It's like somebody's like, you, you, like, I woke up and I changed my life. I woke up and I changed my freaking life. Yeah. And that's fantastic for a lot of people, but that is not... That's not been the experience that I've had and that I've seen in others. So, so I guess maybe I'll let you kind of take it from there. So that moment happened at my heaviest. I was having heart problems. I was having some heart issues with uh, AFib. Um, I went to the hospital, scheduled surgery to have an ablation where they go inside and basically burn some things to try to make the bad electrical signals stop. The day after my surgery, it's COVID 2020. My wife had already gone home. It's like 11 o'clock. I'm laying in bed watching something on the TV. And I feel this weird tingling sensation go up the back of my neck and over the top of my head. My hearing sounded like somebody put their hands over my ears. My vision started to get blurry on the sides. I reached down and grabbed my heart monitor and it said asystole, which for those who don't know, that's the medical, that that's the medical term for flatline. Oh my goodness. So 
Oh my goodness, man. Before I could reach and hit the nurse button, four people burst into the room. They're like, are you okay? And I'm like, shit, am I okay? Like what just happened? Yeah. Um, I told them what, what I just told you. They said, well, you had a pause. I'm like, mm, can you give me some more information? Um, <laughs> right, we need, we need, we need a yeah. little more than that. Uh, my heart stopped for almost seven seconds when it was trying to convert from the, the fast, you know, fluttering to a normal rhythm. It just quit. It was just that like electrical pause. Um, mm. So that was the first time it happened from like, they got some medications regulated. They sent me home on a monitor. It was happening every night while I was asleep. Sometimes two seconds, sometimes five seconds. The, the longest one was almost 10. And so what they said, that tingling sensation was the brain, my brain consuming what oxygen was left from when it stopped. Like, so a couple more seconds and it was, I would have been uh, like unconscious. Um, and so 10 days after that first procedure, I had to go back to the hospital and have a uh, pacemaker implanted at 40 years old. So when my heart stopped, I'm laying in the hospital. My wife's not there. I didn't call her because what's she going to do? She can't come down and I don't want to scare her, but I'm laying there thinking about my two children and my wife and my heart just quit. So yeah, I was angry. Oh, that's, that's, that's a lot, man. Yeah. That's a lot. I was angry. I was like, I just, I told God everything, but I said, if, if you have me here for a purpose, I am going to make some changes. So I did have one of those moments. It was out of my control, but I had that moment. And I knew as soon as I got out, things were going to be different. And I had, I had to do it. I couldn't, I couldn't be that selfish anymore. So I had started to climb out with the can, with the counseling and things like that. But this was a nut. This was a neat. So there was a, that catalyst, but then this was an either like uh, steeper jumping off point. Like, okay, let's get it going. Um, and yeah, I've heard you talk about, I've talked, I've heard you talk about control a couple of times. Yeah. Now. And, and there's, I, I think there's irony in the fact that you said, all right, there's a lot of things that are out of control in my life, but this is the one thing I can control. And at that point it was, it was consuming food. Yeah. Right. So this thing that we can control and, and this isn't a judgment thing because God knows we've all done uh, where we have things in our, in our yeah. control and, yeah. and we, we've done things that kind of self-sabotage yeah. uh, our, ourselves. Yeah. And we're going to get to the point where you found other things under your control that have have completely liberated you yes. from some of the the, the negative sides. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't, it's a, I, it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but I'm excited to talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, right after that, I mean, my, and my wife, she'll be the first one to tell you, like she was gaining weight right along with me, right? We were both. And so it got mm-hmm. to the point where she was just done. And so she started doing some research. We looked into weight loss surgery here in the States. It wasn't, we had health insurance. It wasn't covered. It was to, a procedure for me was denied at 362, 365 pounds. It was denied. And so she started looking and found a place in Mexico. A, a friend of hers had gone and it was a good experience. And she got to the point where she was like, I don't know. I don't care if you're ready. I'm going to go by myself. And I'm like, now if we're going to do it, we're going to do it together. So we took off. We went to Mexico. We didn't tell anybody we were doing it except for our family. We went, we flew out on a Friday, had the surgery Saturday. We were back in Orlando on Thursday and I was back to work on Monday. And so I needed help to change my relationship with food. I, I needed the help to So the first thing is that surgery basically reduced my capacity by about 75, 80%. Hmm. 
And from that point on, changing my eating habits got me act. So when the weight started to come off, I wanted to be outside being, you know, being overweight, 360 pounds. I didn't want to play with my kids. I I live in Florida. It's freaking hot. Like step outside and I'm just sweating because I'm fat. I'm overweight. I'm having, you know, like I, I, I have no desire like to do anything healthy for me. So it started with the weight, the surgery, when the weight started to come off, that's when I started. I'm like, I'm getting active. I'm going to do it. Like the weight's coming off already. I'm going to help it along. So there's the mental side of that, right? Yes. There's obviously the, the physical uh, side of yep. it where your stomach is incapable of taking in this, this food. Yep. But I mean, you've already alluded to it. That's just a byproduct, right? Your weight is a byproduct yeah. of what your relationship is. Yeah. Uh, so did you go into that knowing like this is that really, uh, that's the core problem. Yeah. I need to have uh, some type of, of, of strategy on dealing with that once I get back from, from this surgery. Yes, because what it was for, I was living to eat right? Food, like those moments, those, Hey, let's go out and get this food. You know, let's go, let's have this gathering and let's gather around this. No, I was living to eat. Now I had to choose to eat, to live because I had to make adjustments. Like if you can only hold three ounces at a time, am I going to fuel my body with a donut or am I going to put something healthier, like protein, you know, or, or a complex card, not something simple. So I had to start making better choice. I had to start making better choices for myself because then at that moment is when the fuel comes in. And if I'm outside being active, sure. I can't go run if I eat, you know, part of a candy bar. Yeah. It might work for a minute, but man, I'm going to crash so hard and it's going to be terrible. So I had to make a choice to eat for fuel with that capacity. I had to fill my tank a different way. What were some, what were some of your, uh, now who did you start looking up to? Who are some of your mentors at this point? I, I imagine you're, you're trying to, you know, anybody who's trying to find it to transform their, 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 their life, right? Not just their body, but their life yeah. with the understanding that this will kill me if I don't make these changes, yeah. you know, when we talk about addiction, a lot of times, man, that shit is life or death. Mm-hmm. Right? So whether that's alcohol, that's food, that's drugs, that there's there's so many different Whatever, things. Yeah. Uh, because like you said, and, and that may not even be from. Go ahead. No, I was just it's it's in your mind. It's the mindset. Like you are stuck to this thing. Yeah. Well, like the first, you know, we talk about a twelve step, but. You know, you, yeah. you have to realize that I'm powerless over this thing, right? Right. right. Uh, this thing has, has taken control. And it's so ironic that the things that we chase to feel good end up being uh, the, the, the overtaker, right? Yeah. Like the thing that now controls us. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where the, the, the consequence of habit, when I was sitting there thinking about names, it was just, that's what resonated with me that, that, there's so much irony in that we chase these things to feel, to not feel pain and they become the root of our pain. Yep. That's, yeah. We're, we're freaking complex. Yeah. yeah. The habit of finishing dinner and getting up with an empty plate, not putting it in the sink or in the dishwasher, but going back to see what else is there. What's left. Oh, there's just a little bit. I'll clean it up so we don't have to put it, I'll clean you it know, up. like, yeah. It's just, it's that. I'll do you a favor. Yeah. It's the repetitive, like this, you just train yourself. Like that's what you do. And man, to try to get out of that is, especially when it's an unhealthy relationship. It Oh, sure. <laughs> an abusive relationship, right? Because all these, yes. the commercial, oh man, it's so good. You know, like it's food's good for you. You know, all these things, like there's both sides of it. Like you have to eat 
but you don't have to eat that much, right? Like there's, it's that abusive relationship. It, that's what's different from that and, and say drugs or alcohol uh, because somebody for myself, I, I, Hey, alcohol doesn't fit in my life. I'm never, I'm, I, I won't say uh, I get all kinds of kickback from, from the recovery community. I'm not going to drink today. Right. Right. Like that's, uh, but I have no plans of drinking right. what, what eating. You have to, right. eat. you have to, you're still going to have that relationship with yeah. it. Uh, but you, you have to change that relationship. Yes. Um, Getting back to the initial question, was there was there a person? Was there a group? Was there an idea? What was the motivation after uh, you get back? What was the motivation to to one to start running? I guess that's a hard exercise to do when you've got some extra weight. Yeah. Uh, and what was that first? What was that first run like? Oh God, it was awful. It was terrible. I was like, what am I doing? So part of, so losing the weight, they wanted us to get out and walk, right? It was part of, it was just a catalyst. And so I was walking the dog and like the walking started going further and further. And then I was like, I was feeling good. I was enjoying being outside. Like my, I noticed my mood was changing my, um, I just see, I seem to be happier. Um, my kids, my wife, every, people were noticing a change emotionally, uh, spiritually, mentally, all the things were improving. And I'm like, all right. So then I happened to find this guy. His name is Martinez Evans. And he started this group called the slow AF run club. I saw it in a, wow. I saw it in a magazine um, his whole, he's 300 pounds running marathons. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, how is that even possible? And so I just started looking into it. It's a free club. Like there's an app on the phone. I got in, I'm like, Hey, I'm new to this thing because you think, Oh, runners, they're long, they're lean They're I mean, not an ounce of fat on them. I was not that person. I'm like, I don't belong in this community. But that club, like they call it the back of the pack club, right? You know, it, there's not a body type and there's not a pace. There's not a speed. If you put on your, the whole thing, if you put on shoes and you go out for a run, if it's five minutes, you are a runner. And I'm like, come on, like, no way. But I started buying in. I bought into, hey, if I can, if it's, if I run once around the block, I even asked somebody at one point, when is it okay for me to like publicly call myself a runner? And they're like, did you run today? Yeah, I put my shoes on. I went out. It wasn't pretty, but I did it. Well, you're a runner. And I, 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 so for me, it was an acceptance with myself. Like, hey, I I fit I fit in here. We all want to belong, right? And so for me, that sure. that new, it was sort of like, and I was kind of like the guy. Like, there's a you know, there's a room of runners, and I sneak in the door, and I'm hiding in the corner, right? And I'm like, okay, don't nobody look back here. I, I just want to like, I just want to be here and be a part of thing. I'm not. I'm not really like part of the group, but I want to be, but man, I started like just working my way further into the room and I started going for longer runs. And that first, that first race, like I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I didn't even know what a 10 K was. I had to look, I had to Google and at 6.2 miles, I'm like, what am I doing? But it was free with my, my current job. Um, I worked for a department of defense contractor. And the run was put on by the Central Florida Navy League. It was the Wounded Warfighter Lone Sailor 10K. And we got, as a sponsor, we got so many free. And I'm like, okay, if I'm doing it, I'm going to do it. I mean, it's free. What do I have to lose? Who cares if I don't, you know, finish whatever. Man, it was, oh, it was awful. I was walking and I was doing the run walk. Um, 
I would run for 30 seconds and walk for a minute. I barely finished, you know, like they were starting to tear stuff down, but I did. And I got, I got the medal and man, that sense of accomplishment, I was exhausted, but that sense of accomplishment was like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to do this. And from then on, it's just a little bit bigger, a little bit better. And it's small, you know, small increments, but it's growth, you know, even if it's just 1% better. That's another important, I, I, I've said this before, but you know, I think sometimes it's easy to get lost or easy to see somebody who's already doing unbelievable things, right? Their accomplishments are, are, are so respectable and they're whatever it is, if it's something physical and, and you know, they're, they're running, uh, ultra marathons and, but, but those are a whole lot of little steps that get people there. And I think even in James, James Clear's book, I mean, he, he suggests just putting your, just putting your sneakers on, go put your sneakers on, get up in the morning, put your sneakers on as if you're going to go running and do that for a couple of days. Next day, I want you to go what telephone pole to telephone pole, you know, whatever it is, but understanding that these, these, um, now these little hinges swing big doors, man. You got, you got to take these little steps to get you in the right direction. That was such, uh, I mean, so right after, not long after we talked and you recommended that book, I listened to it on my drive to work. And that, that phrase was amazing for me. Like I latched onto that. Yeah. Um, when I first started this running process, I reached out to an old friend from high school, from middle school. Um, she's, She's crazy. She just finished a hundred mile race in Alabama. Like, right. Well there she is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's her accomplishments are unbelievable, but man, she has been so encouraging and so helpful. Like, Hey, you can do this. You can do hard things. And she's the one I ran my first half marathon with. She agreed to run. She invited me up and she agreed to run with me. Like she could have finished that thing so much faster, but she stayed with me. And she grabbed my hand at the end and she pulled me across the line and we finished three minutes before my goal because she pushed us and like just the people in this community, in this running community to be so encouraging and inclusive is, and I want that for other people. You you know, you you mentioned she's crazy and I said, (laughs) she's crazy. Yeah. But, but, but in such a a great way. way. See, I think I think part of the big, well, I think one of the biggest problems is what is considered status quo, what, what is considered normal. We see what it's doing to everybody. We see what uh, our diets are doing. You know, you talk about eating. We are designed to live in a world of scarcity. We're not designed to live in a world of biscuits and gravy, like that come around whenever you want them to. We're not designed to live in a world where we have constant access to dopamine inducing activities. Yes. yes. So we're, we've, we've flipped it. We went from going after these things because that's the operating system we have. That's what got us to, that's what allowed us to survive. And it was designed for little food and to be chased by saber tooth tigers. <laughs> and we're now we're living in, in, in a society that right. tells you sit down relax. Yeah. Here's something to eat. You know what? Don't even get up. Hit the app on yeah, your phone. Call somebody. Come right to you. Yeah. Call somebody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're going to leave it outside your front door. And that could be your booze. That could be your food. Yeah. Uh, it could be your drugs. We, you know, it could be anything. Yeah. And, and, and it's freaking killing us. Yeah. It's killing yeah. us. So, uh, uh, so when I say crazy, I mean that in a positive way. Yes. Because it's bucking against the system. Yeah. Someone says, hey, I run 100 miles. There's a million people that go, you're out of your mind. Yeah, I, you're damn right I am. Yeah. I'm doing something that, that I find value in. It, I challenge myself. Yeah. Uh, because that's all we can do. We talk about control. We can control our own experiences. I uh, can't control everything, but you can put yourself in, 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 the, uh, in the right place. And, um, dude, struggle you know, you mentioned that first 10 K was a struggle, but that feeling you get done, yeah. the feeling you have when you get done with a struggle like that, you can't replicate that. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. Unless you struggle. And, yeah. and that happens every day, right? Like I'm just doing these. So I'm training for a marathon. That's my next goal. Um, but when I finish these training runs, it's still that same feeling of I did something difficult. I did something hard for me. There's sweat dripping. Like I'm out of breath. I'm tired. But it feels good because I did something. I did it for me. I didn't do it. Okay. I did do it for other people. I did it for my family, but beyond anything, I did it for me. My wife used to affectionately nicely call me a doormat because I would just like bend over backwards and let people say or do whatever. And it wasn't a false humility, but it was, I don't have an ego, right? Like I don't have something that's going to be damaged if you come at me a certain way or whatever. I would just, okay, whatever. And just keep moving. I'm doing stuff for me now. Like Hmm. I, I don't have time or the energy for those relationships. If I want it to be reciprocal, I've got, I've got something to give for you. You know, I don't want to say give back, but I'm not just going to let you take and take and take, you know, I have to do something. I have to, I'm looking out for me at this point and I'm doing something for me um, because I didn't for so many years. And yeah, there's, there's two, there's two different ways to look at that because when you do these things for yourself, uh, the, the collateral the, the the positive things that happen to the people around you, the ones you care about, right. the ones you love, right. uh, you know, it's easy to look at these things and say, "Hey, I'm being selfish because I'm taking care of me." Right. But the version of you that that is the, the result of that yeah. is the version of you that everyone around you deserves. Yes, the, your loved ones deserve. You know, and and like you said, that that version of you that didn't like yourself, well, misery loves company, yeah. and you inevitably whether you realize it or not will cause misery yeah. around yeah. you um I've, I've said on here a million times my biggest if i want to know if i'm in a good place i go for a drive and how i interact with the cars around me how i look at the the, the drivers around yeah. me is usually a a, a good gauge of where i yeah, am reflection yeah <laughs> because yeah, i'll look for trouble right i say look for trouble yeah, listen yeah. i'm not running people <laughs> you know i'm not <laughs> but but you're quick to point it out like look at this idiot yeah yeah look at this yeah. idiot right oh, he's gonna he's gonna cut me off and then he does yeah. and i'm feel justified to get upset about it even though i saw it <laughs> yeah. happening yeah it's not happening yeah like i'm insane yeah yeah uh so did you think about the, the the example that you're setting, both negative and positive, for your kids. Yes, was this something you did? Absolutely, absolutely. I because I had been setting such a bad example for so long that I'm. And did you know that if you look back and you have a, you're brutally honest with yourself, can you look back and say, yeah, I knew I was doing that. At the time, no. At the time, I didn't care. At the time, no. And I didn't care either. Like, yeah, it wasn't. Right, right, right. It wasn't on my right. radar at all. Like, I was just. Uh, again, it was that survival. Like, we're just existing, right? I'm. I'm working to pay the bills. We have a house. My kids are eating. <laughs> it was an existence, so it wasn't on my radar. But as soon as things started to change for me, I could see. Hey, this is, first of all, it's impacting me. It's changing me for the better. And that's going to have the ripple effect. You know, my daughter, we, she uh, asked if we could join the gym. And so we joined the gym about two months ago. And we've been going at least once a week since then. Uh, Things have gotten a little crazy. She's uh, working in a uh, doing a play at school right now. So rehearsals have been every night, but as soon as that's over, we're back at it. And, uh, we have a friend that's been coming 
to uh, work out with her um, so I can get the both of them in. And like, it's been great. She asked to do that. And so she's seeing the benefits, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally. I mean, she's 14, you know, like high school, she's a freshman in high school. It's so hard. And I want her to have that confidence, that self-confidence. And I'm discovering that for me now that I didn't have before. I think it's the most amazing example you can, you can, you can set because change is hard. Kids understand that they realize that change is hard and to see an adult, uh, someone they look up to put a, a, a line in the sand and say, I'm going to make change. That's a very scary thing for a parent because failure at that point, uh, you feel it, right? You feel maybe I'm maybe I'm just projecting my own crap, no. but uh, to me, I threw it out there. It was like he's like to, to say like, "Hey, I'm I'm sick and I need to make a change. I have to do now." It's not just me who's watching and holding, being held accountable. There's 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 people that I respect and I love. Uh, I love the, the you know. I have the most love that for anyone in the entire world. And they're watching to see if I can pull this off, yeah. you know, not judgmentally, yeah. but cause they want the best right. for you. But, um, that's a, that's a, that's a scary ledge to jump off. Of. I, and I don't know if I've ever told my kids this, I felt bad for them that I was their dad. That the person that we had to go into public or we had to be, you know, if I was meeting somebody, you know, I don't know. And and it's hard to it's hard to even say that really and, and to try to explain it. But I didn't want them to be embarrassed that I was their dad. And there were times where I felt that. Yeah. Not that they ever yeah. projected that on me or to anyone or, or even alluded to it, but that was my own insecurities that this is what you felt. Yeah. If I don't want my kid to be look like, look at me. I don't want my kid to be embarrassed, you know, trying to walk up the bleachers to go to a football game or something like that. Like, and like I said, they, oh, they man. never put that out there, but that was something that I felt yeah. that was one of my insecurities. And now yeah. Like that's gone. The self, I have confidence in who I am. What is, what are your thoughts when, when, first of all, I, I just want you to know, you just choked me up, Todd. You got me. You got me good, man. <laughs> but, but what is, what is your thoughts uh, when, when you talk to people about body composition, because it's a very touchy subject. Yeah. And, Everything you've talked about is this, this change is, has all these positive benefits, but, but, uh, that can be, that's a, that, that's a, a minefield. At yes. Times. Especially for a teenage daughter. daughter. Right. What is that? What has that process been like for you? And, and what has been your approach? Been to? Well, and I, again, you know, I don't even want to single her out. I have a, I have a son who, I mean, he's a freshman in college, right? Like, Guys go through body image yeah. issues as well. Um, number one, reassuring her that she, her worth is not in what size she is. Her worth is a person. Number one, she has value as a person. Um, she is a beautiful person. Um, it is really unfortunate that a lot of times in society, we are treated so differently. And I can just speaking for myself, you know, people starting to lose weight and going through that process and people coming up being like, wow, you look really great. Like, what are you doing? Like the way they treat you differently when you are losing weight or not overweight 
is is heartbreak. And I don't want her to go through that. So the first thing is yeah. making sure she knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that her value is in the person that she is, in her heart, in her mind, in the person that she is, not what size she is, not what clothes she wears. And for the most part, I think she's a pretty confident girl. And I'm so, I'm so, and her mom is really, really done a good job with that. Um, because, you know, as my wife, like she being overweight, like she dealt with those body image issues as well. And so trying to, trying to navigate that, having those issues herself and not project those onto our daughter. Like I feel bad about myself because I'm overweight. I don't want to put that into her head and have her start thinking that way. So it, it's, it's been a shift in mentality, but the first, like I, I just keep saying her, that's not her worth. That's not where her value is found. Yeah. And it's almost like you're, you're telling yourself that at the same time, you know what I mean? Like you're having this conversation. 100%. Like, you know, I, like, I want you to believe some of the things I didn't necessarily believe. Yes. Right. Like, and, and then to say like, the, I think there's so much value in saying, even though this is the way we lived, that does not mean that we are defined by that. Right. We can make changes. We can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. You're not happy. If you're happy with the way you are, then then keep doing what you're doing. You know. So it's it's it's. I don't know, man. This parenting thing is. It's it is. It's a slippery slope. Like you, it's a tight. I feel like it's a tightrope, right? Like all the time. Um, but man, like that's that's exactly right. It's what you said. Is um. Shoot, I just lost it. The way we lived. Right. The way we that's what we all all want to do as parents. Right. Do better than I did. Right. And we can only do. The best we can with what we have at the moment. And in those moments, in that crap time. The best I could do was work and make money and provide for my family. That was the best I could do. And I. I had I was clinging so tightly to that that. Yeah, it all sucks, but I was doing the best I could with what I had to provide for my family. And as it got better, now we're, you know better, you do better. And so now that we know better and we're starting to change these mentalities and start to work on these habits, I want them to see that, right? Like um, the episode with, I, I can't remember his name, the guy who did the Arlo or the RO. Oh yeah. Heath. Heath. Yeah. yeah Heath. Like, okay. So this month I decided I was going to put my phone down at eight o'clock. Do not disturb. I'm putting it away. And that is so hard. Like it's just instinct to reach for it in the evenings. Right. You're just sitting around like, but I want them to see, because like you said so many times, it's so accessible and they're glued to this thing. It's the situational awareness. It's the not being present in conversations. It's all the thing. And so I have to lead by example. And when I've done such a poor job previously, you know better, you do better. And I want to do better. And I want to try to, and listen, I apologize to my kids all the time. Like, Hey, I yelled at you. I got mad in that situation. I'm sorry. I overreacted. I think that's one of the biggest things for me too, is being able to take that and say, Hey, I screwed up and I'm sorry to apologize to your kid. Like that is so humbling, but at the same time for them to see that as to see adults be able to do that. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's real. Uh, yeah. Cause they know we don't, we don't have it all figured out. They know it. Uh, and to just stick to your guns when, when everyone in the room knows that you just messed up, uh, you know, there, there, that's a, that is a great lesson. I think to, to, to do that, to say, Hey, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm an emotional dude. So my kid will say, Oh, it's okay. And that will, that almost, that chokes me up. They're like, yeah, it's okay. I understand. Or, or they, 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 or they'll see, Oh, you had a, 
you know, not to make excuse for it, but you, you know, you didn't sleep last night. You're like, oh God, man. Yeah. 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 That's, um, yeah. We, I first actually, I, I, I lied. I, the first time I actually came across you, Todd, was, <laughs> was through athletic brewing. How did you get hooked up with, with athletic brewing and, and then within that ambassador community? Um, well, I'm, I'm not even an ambassador. I just found it and was like, Hey, these are non-alcoholic beers that I could drink in the morning. Like, heck yeah, that's awesome. Um, I don't, you wait, well, hold on, hold on, stop it. You're not an ambassador for athletic brewing. Nope. Well, man, we're going to, we, all right. Okay. Open season. I'm, I'm going to be the first one to hit you up on during open season. For that. <laughs> I think I even okay. tried at one point. I think I sent him a, a DM and Instagram was like, Hey, What's going, you know, how do you get to be one of these ambassadors? Because the whole fact of, of drinking a good beer, but being able to maintain your training, like to not feel like garbage, like the next day. Um, now I personally currently am still drinking regular alcohol. It's not, it's never been an issue, but man, the last time I was just like, you know what? I'm ready to be done because I had, I think I had two regular beers and I had to run the next morning. Excuse me. I got to run the next morning and man, I didn't feel good. I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It didn't. And it's not like I was out getting hammered the night before, but you know what the training. And if this is something that I want to do, if I want to continue to run for whoever knows, however many years in the future, like I want to start and I want to do things right. I mean, I'm 42 and I'm just now getting into this game. I don't want to jeopardize it. Yeah. Todd, what, what just happened there? Uh, some people will recognize and some are going to completely miss the way you rephrase what you said. So just ba- <laughs> back up and just give us a little explanation between I had and I got to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I'm so very thankful for the body that I have um, because I abused it for so long, not with alcohol, but with calories. Right. Sure. That I am so grateful that I get the opportunity now to lace up my shoes. I went out this morning and did a little over three miles. I'm going to do three, two and a half or three tomorrow. And then my other, I kind of jumped into this November challenge thing, uh, but I'm excited about it. So doing the marathon training, Saturday's run was supposed to be 10 miles. I decided I'm going to do a half marathon. The next Saturday is supposed to be 12 miles. I decided I'm going to do a half marathon. So every month, every Saturday, I'm going to do at least 13 miles running. But it's not that I have to, it's that I get to. And I get to go outside and appreciate like, man, it's my time to think it's time for me. I was running with music for a while. Now I'm not, I just listen to what's happening around me. I listen to myself breathe. I listen to my feet and it is, man, I'm just excited to be able to physically be able to do that. I went to a PT session yesterday because I've been having a little issue with my ankle. She's like, I am completely shocked at the weight that you used to carry that you have perfect knees and you don't have any pain in your knees. I'm like, yeah, I don't. And I'm so grateful that I get to do this and I enjoy, I'm totally enjoying this journey. You know, in the beginning you talked about having a job where you have these headphones on and all you're listening to is this negative narrative in your brain, this self-talk. Yeah. And now you've cut out having any of these other things that are just not distract you, but, but will take you out of the moment and you're using this time instead of, instead of beating yourself up and, and, and listening to this endless negative drivel that we all experience at times uh, to appreciate the sound of your feet hitting the ground or the sounds of outside. It's beautiful, man. Honestly, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. And that's, you've had me on the verge of tears, like half this conversation, just for the record. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sorry. It definitely wasn't my intention, but man, I'm just, 
I'm so thankful for this journey, for this community. Like, man, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know where this thing is going to take me. Um, but I'm excited. I, I really am. I'm truly enjoying the journey. I want to encourage people. Like I love seeing people's posts. I love cheering for people, uh, on Instagram. Like I'm just finding people all over the place that are, you know, if they're running, if they're doing something athletic, if they're a triathlete, whatever, like I'm liking, I'm following. I, I want to cheer for you because I, the things that I'm experiencing, it's so new at 40, 42 years old. If you told me at 42 years old that I was going to, you know, two years ago when I'm laying in the hospital after a heart procedure, you're going to run a half marathon in two years. No way. No way. And so like, I've seen so many posts recently of like, Oh, you know what? I, I didn't hit my paces today. I didn't finish the race in, in my goal time. And there's a clip that cuts back to them in a different period of time that says, wait, we ran a half marathon, bro. Comparison. That's great. The comparison is still a real thing for me. Like I quit posting my, my pace and my time on my runs on my Instagram because I would look at that and I'd look at other people and I'd be like, Oh man, I'm not as fast as them, but I don't know their journey. I don't know how long they've been doing it. I have to do it for me. I have to focus on my journey, but that doesn't mean I can't cheer for so many people that are just crushing like Chris Bachman and, um, I can't Chris Thailand, Chris, you know, he told me, oh, yeah. um, Chris Norris. Yeah. He said he's leaving town to go do a 58 K and I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what that is, but it's amazing. And I'm so excited. Like I want to awesome. hear so much about it. Um, I'm just excited for these people's accomplishments because I know what the small accomplishments have meant for me and to see the work that they put in, man, I know that feeling. Has it, has it started sinking into you, Todd, that you living your life in this journey is inspiring others? Yeah. And I, I, and, and again, I'm still like, obviously as soon as you say it, I smile, right? Because it's not the imposter syndrome at this point. It's the, man, I'm just me. Like, yeah, I'm just being me. It's not, You know, right. and I don't want to explain it away. I want to, you know, I want to accept that. And I want to say, thank you. You know, thank you right, for saying that because that was never my intent. But if it's happening, if I am inspiring somebody else, man, that's awesome. And I like, I'll never forget the guy. I ran a turkey trot last year and there was a guy who would sprint by me and he's just huffing and puffing, just pin, like just almost dying out. And I couldn't run next to him because he was kind of freaking me out with his breathing. Like I thought he was going <laughs> right, to right, pass right. out, but he gets to the finish line and I see him and I run to him and I'm like, Hey man, I know you were struggling out there and I'm really proud of you for finishing. And he said, I quit smoking two days ago and decided I'm going to get healthy. And I decided to run this race. Oh, and I'm like, that's it. like, it's incredible but I don't say that. I don't say that to brag about me. I want to brag on him because if I can, if he remembers me coming up and telling him good job and that gives him encouragement, man, that's, that's good. I'm set. Todd, there's, there's not an if that dude, 100% remembers that conversation. And I want to say that the, the way you're inspiring people, you know, I go back to those pictures yeah. and I think it is so much deeper than those pictures. That is a quick, that's clickbait. And if they click it and they hear <laughs> your story and your outlook on life and change, that's the hook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what's really going to get people in it. And I realize you're not doing it for anybody else. You're doing it for yeah. you, but just know that there's people, um, there's people watching that are getting something from that without, whether you realize it or not. And I am extremely proud to have you on as an ambassador, man. Like it, you stand for, for so many things that we are, you know, our, our, as you know, our mission statement is to bring awareness, to the impact that our habits have on our mental health, success and the environment. And you are 
fucking yeah. loving it, dude. So thank I, you, bro. I, I appreciate you, man. I minus making my my face. <laughs> other than that, man, here. I I I totally appreciate. You know, I you were the first one I jumped onto when the ambassador thing. I was like, consequent, like that's what I'm doing. Like these habits, yeah, you are are, are make are the good consequences for me and. I didn't know what it being an ambassador meant, you know, like, I'm just like, yeah, me neither. Yeah. I'm, I want to support that because I want people to get the experience that I've got. If you change one little thing, if you make one small change, the, the impact that it can have the ripple effect is a consequence of your habits. And like, yeah. and that whole, I, the few will hunt, I think is where I got it consistency creates change, man. I'm just, I, I bought onto that. I'm just about ready to get it tattooed somewhere. Like I'm being consistent. You know, it may not be pretty every day. I may not want to, but damn it, I'm getting up and I'm doing it because I know what it's going to do. And you get to, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have the opportunity. Tomorrow's not promised. And like you posted something on the consequence of having Instagram, the other, it just said start today and there was a clock. Bro, we don't have, nothing's guaranteed. Death is coming for us all, man. The memento mori is, is, a lot of people look at that and they go, hey, that's, that's really morbid. That's not morbid. It's meant to do the opposite. There's a reason there's a skull on the fuel hunt thing. And, and that is to a reminder that it's coming for us all. You get to decide on how you live until that time yeah. comes. So yeah. uh, if anything, it's, yeah, it, it, it's a positive. Yeah. Thing. And I'm, I, I want to pick every day. And even, like I said, even if it's just 1% better, uh, that's what I, that's what I'm here for. Todd, if, if somebody wants to follow you, uh, where can they find you? Uh, pretty active on Instagram. That's about, I mean, I've got Instagram and Facebook. It's T Barnett 80. I wish it was something more catchy. I've been trying to figure something out, but no, nah, it's, <laughs> nah, it's good. It's good. Uh, and we'll have links to that in the show notes. Uh, Todd, I, to say I enjoyed this conversation is an understatement. Um, again, thank you for, for being vulnerable for having the courage to be vulnerable and, and just keep doing what you're doing, man. It's, we're, it's fun sitting back and, and, and watching you. So thank thanks you. JT. It's, it, it really is a privilege. I'm, I'm ex- so excited about this team and, and, and being together with these people, these like-minded people um, to just make a positive change. And like, we just need it, right? We need it in the world. We need, we need to put that light out there. So I want to be a light. You're it. All right, Todd. I appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks, JT.